There's nothing more awesome for a developer nowadays than handing off some extra coding work to someone or to another tool or to another service. And one such handoff you could do with one huge part of your application, which is data storage. And who would be better to talk about it uh, today with me and Bauer at the Curious Coders Chronicles number 15 or something <laughs> than uh, Alvin from Contentful, a major headless CMS SaaS, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> That's right. Headless CMS SaaS, right? That's... Um, yeah what Contentful is doing. And I know that Bauer started playing around with Contentful recently for, for his own project. And we would really love to hear his, his experience about outsourcing that data storage work. But first, maybe Alvin, you as our expert today, maybe you could share with us like what is a headless CMS and why would I need it? Sure. As a developer. Hello. Yes. Um, so, um, so the idea of headless CMS right, is in traditional CMSs, right, like WordPress, Squarespace, you're limited A to the website and your content is limited by the CMS itself, right? You have this concept of a page right? you make a page on your website. Therefore, you make a page in the CMS, sorry, and that ends up being a page on your website. But what if you have an app, you know, a, a mobile app? What if, you what if you have a billboard and you want to manage that content, right? That that's becomes a problem. You can run WordPress, for example, as headless, but that's the idea, right? It's because you take your content and you turn that into an API. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's a headless CMS. And as a result of that, what I just said, look, you, your, your website can, can consume that content and display it. Your app can do it. Your, if you have an interactive billboard with a screen, can do it too. Um, so, so yeah, that's the idea of headless. Cool. Yeah, that, that's a good good explanation. Um, also from someone, I'm very sorry, I jumped right into the topic, but from someone who's actually uh, working with the CMS, right? Uh, Alvin, you're, you have experience, well, coding uh, the product itself, I think, right? As a developer advocate, then you have experience um, creating content about uh, the, the mm -hmm. product. And are you also using it for personal projects or something like that? And yeah, feel free to tell uh, anything about yourself that you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, we, we use we use Contentful at Contentful, which I think is a very good thing. Like every company should be doing that. Um, otherwise, I mean, it's a little bit dishonest. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so we do for uh, for our own blog and other you know, our own website. You know, everything runs on on Contentful. Um, so I don't work on the product itself. Like I have access of, you know, to like the SDK and GitHub and everything. And we um, um, at Contentful, at least, you know, uh, DevRel, so developer relations, um, we, we, do not, we do not do what's called developer experience, right? So, the, um, so we've so very much do more like on the advocacy side, right? Building relationships with developers and community. We don't really touch like the SDKs and like the product. We're not really in product meetings as much as in other companies, because, you know, th this varies, like you, you'll, you'll see that there isn't, there's no one definition of DevRel, right? Like every company does it differently. And, and at Contentful, we're, we're very much on the developer relations side, not on the developer experience, because you can think of um, 
companies like Vercel, for example, they have developer advocates who like actually work on a lot of the products, you know, Next.js itself, for example. Um, that, and that's not really the case for us. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, maybe before we go uh, further, just to, to stick with the, uh, with the vocabulary here, you mentioned developer experience, people, uh, developer advocates, DevRel, DevRel, I thought it's more like the overarching thing. And then there's also the developer, uh, no, the evangelists, developer mm -hmm. evangelists. Yeah, it, developer evangelism. Yeah. Can you uh, demystify the, the, yeah, uh, yeah, the last sure. one? <laughs> yeah. So there is, I'm going to give you some definitions, but it's important to know that every company does it kind of differently, right? So um, sometimes you'll have people who have, who are, um, and I, I've seen it when I when applying to different things, right? Sometimes the the title would be developer experience engineer, but you'll be basically doing what I would call developer advocacy. But I'm going to give you some clear distinctions, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the um, but yeah, to bear in mind the titles, it's a lot like everything else. No titles. Sometimes it could be title could be community manager, but you're doing something else. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the oldest one, and I think one that we sort of all agree about, is developer evangelism. Yes, that's the that's the original title, and this is old. This is I think started back in the '90s or something, um, and we don't use that title anymore for very obvious reasons, right? Um, yeah. But that was uh, the previous title of what uh, of people of people like me who are developer advocates, right? Uh, yeah. Previously, you know, they would be called a developer evangelist. That that still exists. There's still you know uh, companies that have this title of like technical evangelist. Um, but in the tech industry, at least in my experience, the that was what you call a developer advocate today. Um, so, so that's my title, which is about you know building relationships with developers and you know making sure fostering community, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the old title. Developer experience is more about what's the what it's like to use your product. So you know, so making sure you have an SDK, make sure the docs are correct. Um, sometimes there's also internal developer experience as well which you know um, is about making sure you can deploy very easily you don't have to like uh, it doesn't take you half an hour to like run the bunch of tests manually you know to kick a deploy pipeline everything is very much clean and efficient and you know and you know where your where your things are mm -hmm. um, so that's about that's again developer experience either you know internal or external yeah. and again what i said is my job is developer advocate so that's developer relations is the, again the overarching thing um, and you can have, you know, within developer relations, you have like, uh, you can have community managers, you can have sometimes even the, depending on the company, the documentation, which I said could be a part of developer experience. Sometimes that's part of developer relations as well. This really depends on the company. Yeah. But yeah, developer relations is like the, the function in the company and the, um, and often the, the department, right? You have a developer relations department. And so the, developer relations that uh, gets shortened to DevRel. And that's, and that's, you know, and, uh, and it's also sometimes what people will say that for their job. Like if I, if I'm at a conference, someone asks me what you do, I'll say DevRel, right? So yeah. that's also a shorthand for like developer advocate. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So Bo, based on what Alvin just said, what would you say, what are we doing here <laughs> at the Curious Coders, uh, Community Club Chronicles. 
Yeah, it's it's funny because the the curious coders chronicles that that means uh, CCC in short, and uh, I know that in your uh, work, Melvin, CCC also means something yeah. something else. Yes. Can you tell a bit about that? Um, so in in terms of so so what were you, are you talking about Contentful specifically or? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Uh, I think it was you that you talked about content, community. Yes, that is right. Yeah. The one? Yes, the the three C's. Yeah, yeah three C's of DevRel. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the um. So there's the thing about like what which is an again old-ish framework from I think 2015, uh, by Brendan West called the three C's of developer relations. And, and back in the day, it was of developer evangelism, but it's it's the idea of that's what you do as a that's your job as developer relations is to work on code, content, and community. So, and and that's yeah. also a very good way of you of, of you as a, as yourself as a developer developer advocate. Sorry to think about okay, what do I want to do and what I'm good at. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. so these are it's also a good framework to think about again what the roles and like responsibilities of DevRel could be. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, here at the Curious Coders Chronicles, we are basically CCC times two because we do yeah, <laughs> yeah. the exactly. Chronicles and the code content and yes, what was the community of course community yeah. yes and curiosity yeah yeah of yeah, course. So, so when I when I grow up, uh, then then I might also become a DevRel. Someone that 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 would be cool, right, Rich? What do you think? Would be yeah, something I think, for us, yeah, right? I think you would make a great uh, DevRel DevRel guy. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I think I like I I don't don't know exactly your story, Alvin, but I can imagine that that if you if you for example are a developer and you like code and you like developing, but you still are looking for something slightly different, is it is it is it uh, what what happened to you that that it was like a variation on something you were doing before, but now it's kind of changed career? Is that what happened? Yeah, 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 that's right. So first, um, so I had been doing talks uh, for a bit and doing talks like writing articles uh, on the side. You know, I think just uh, similar similarly to you guys, you know. But as as you know, it's it's a lot of work to like prepare a talk, which is a lot of hours, uh, then fly to somewhere and, and do all of that. It's great. Again, it's don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not good. It's fun. It's great. But it was a lot of work on top of a full-time job. Um, so I stopped for a bit. Uh, but yeah, that's that was the it was the drive. So a couple of things happened that you know got me to become a developer advocate, but that that was one of them. I think the um um the the I guess that's how I got a lot of the experience that um and i got a taste of it right because it's because often it's it's you'd say oh i, th I think I, I think i'd like to you know i'd like to to be a writer and it's like well have you written anything before <laughs> you know um and that's and i think to, to me that was i guess a clue that there were some parts of the job that i knew i would like beforehand yeah yeah that's very interesting because i'm doing this whole blogging thing and like generally and really invested in content creation in in the tech industry since 2017 mm -hmm. so i've been doing this on the side and then for about maybe three years i'm very actively pushing it also um, at the companies where i work for and it's not that easy actually to yeah. convince the, your own company that you work for 
that hey there is a great opportunity to to work together on something and create together something more and especially if it's not of course a company that's not directly a a developer product because i also i create very developer focused uh content i lean towards towards more developer um yeah because uh, yeah kind of content from myself for people that are in a similar situation i guess and uh, yeah it's not not easy to to you know convince your your cto or your whoever is like close to you that hey that there is an opportunity to work together it's interesting actually yeah, I yeah, think. Kind of... Go on. Yeah, so we work at Webinar Geek, which uh, we, our product is for like many different people in many different fields, like yoga teachers, or like until like big companies. But but Contentful is like a well, really like a developer, pretty developer focused product. So I guess that yeah. that's one of the main reasons why in our company it would be really hard to say, well, we need to. Devrel like a role in our company because it's too small a thing for us. But but maybe I'm under, underestimating that. But uh, yeah, no, no, you don't. It's it's not just not relevant enough. I mean, we have yeah. also integrations and we have an API, but it's just not enough people using potentially be using it or being interested in developer focused content. And I don't know where it starts for a company to become relevant. Um, yeah, it's it's not easy to say. Yeah. Uh, generally, it for for me, I've seen in more like traditional companies, it comes from the place of hiring, right? It's like they'll they'll see this as a way of thinking. Look, we are a company that has a good culture of engineering. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times they'll have like tech blogs. Um, I think it was, um, I, can't, I can't remember the name, so I'm not, I don't want to say something wrong, but I think there was an electricity company uh, in the UK that had a pretty, pretty advanced like engineering blog. And again, there's no reason because they're an electricity company, right? They're, they're, their customers are by definition the most average normal person, right? Um, and yeah, but they, they took the time in to have, you know, a, to put an engineering block together and like sometimes to host talks. Um, I know in London, for example, Just Eats, which is, uh, which is you know, just like Uber Eats, right? Um, they, they, they host a lot of meetups in their office, but sometimes these can be more like grassroots things because these could be just a bunch of devs that just want to host meetups and just management doesn't care. So that just sometimes <laughs> it just happens. But in terms of like dedicating engineering time to write blog posts and stuff, I think like in my experience, what I saw in like these uh, more like non-developer companies, it comes from a place of like, we're struggling to hire good people. We want to hire good people. We want to build a good culture of engineering. Therefore we'll have an engineering blog. We'll do tech talks every third Tuesday or whatever. Um, mm. And for this, you still need an engineering team that is growing. And it's not enough that your um, team is hiring like, I don't know, one, two, three people per year. Um, I think there needs to be like a bigger developer, uh, what do you say, revenue? <laughs> yeah, you know. Turnout, yeah. Turnover, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, for it also to make kind of sense from the hiring perspective, probably, right? Yeah, I, I think it depends. It depends also how much, you know, how much 
um, how much the company is, is making, of course. <laughs> you can yeah. be a very small company and make a lot. See, open AI. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, I, th I think it, yeah, it depends on, on the company. And again, like the, the priorities, sometimes uh, some companies are, are um, founded by, by people who are, you know, themselves quite, um, quite technical, you know, and they're, they're still, even if they're, their CTOs are still coding at night, you know, doing these things and like very interested in that. Sometimes they're more founded by general business people. That that doesn't mean it won't happen. Because you know, sometimes you could, you know, you could still make a very valid case of like, look, uh, you know, having an engineering blog and doing internal talks and hosting meetups, it doesn't cost us a lot, but our 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 developers are more motivated. We have a better image. Sometimes it's also a pride thing in terms of I've seen in terms of like um in terms of uh, their location. So sometimes you'll see a company with, in like a random place, it will be like in a random city in Belgium, but they're like, yes, we're, we're this, we're, we wanna grow the tech community here. And we wanna, you know, as a result, we open up our offices, we host tech talks. So sometimes there's that, that can come into play as well. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I think in, in general, like a, a knowledge sharing culture within the company is already something that's pretty hard. So, uh, I worked at companies where some people were knowledge sharing and and I was one of them and then but you you could really see how uh how great it was what we what we were trying to do I guess and and we were enthusiastic about things but then still somehow it doesn't really like it doesn't stick or something I don't know mm -hmm. what it is the culture yeah. is not becoming part of the well knowledge yeah. sharing is not, is not coming part of the culture I guess that it's also strange, and uh, of course you have to. There is also work to do. So, so uh, yeah. where we work now, Webinar Geek, it's, it's pretty good. We have like knowledge sharing sessions every well two months, and uh, also people, some people who like they they share things on Slack or they just record mm. a short video because they want to share something and the urge to to share something because thing I think Rich and I have that as well that we sometimes we have this thing that we are curious about and we say yeah, yeah. people. People got to know, right? We have to to tell this have to, to the get world excited, yeah, yeah. And I think that that is also when uh, people who have this feeling, I guess, they they are like mm -hmm. also people who would probably be candidates for like a DevRel kind of work because that's yeah in the same line, right? It's it's your enthusiasm for for your product. And um, so I, I was wondering by making a little bridge to Contentful is that um, how important is it? Uh, it's a bit of a rhetorical question, perhaps, but how important is it for DevRel to be enthusiastic about your product? I mean, I think it's very important because it, it's the thing, and it, it's something I've underestimated when I applied. I think I got lucky with Contentful um, because it, it, yeah, it's kind of easy to say, ah, you know, I like, I like whatever I could work in. You know, again, as you said, I like sharing developer things. I can work in whatever it's developer thing, right? But at the end of the day, you'll spend a lot of times in your product just as a result of, you know, you testing new features. And, you know, again, if you're like contentful, you, you use your own product, to build different things, and you'll be talking about it a lot. And if you don't, you know, don't really understand it or don't like it, it's going to be, it's going to be harder just because you're, because you're, you're just so much, you're in it so much. And, um, and this is why I think it's, it's very important. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about your product. So you, you need to, and um, the problem areas that are around your product as well. So like the, the, um, like, and as a result, your audience as a DevRel will be, will be in working in that problem area. Right. Like I think the, the example I have, um, that I use often is like, you can be a, a DevRel for like Cisco, 
and it could be one for Unity games, right? Which is the same job, but like very different things, right? One is all about networking. You'll be talking to network engineers, whatever I, stuff I don't know. And again, <laughs> Unity is more about you know gaming, and you know, so it's a very very different. And you can think of these of being of, you know, talking to very different audience at the end of the day. So understanding that that audience also starts with that. Yeah, yeah. The the industry where you work in is so essential for for everything that you will be doing, and the product, of course, as well. But since you mentioned features, I found it to be a very good transition to ask you something about the the thing that I said in the beginning. Would you also say that, well, handing off the um, this whole storage thing to a to another service to another tool is something that uh, Contentful would be doing for me, and also. Bawa is a front-end developer and he has some, some experience with Contentful already, but I'm creating Rails apps, you know, mm -hmm. Rails monolith, where mm -hmm. you, it's basically you have an app and the database is baked in there. Would there be still a point where you would say, hey, maybe this would be the reason for you, even as a Rails dev, to hand off uh, your whatever block. you're building, yeah, yeah block, block yeah. <laughs> to 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 contentful. Well, the the number one, and that's for like all headless CMS, is just that you you make it easy for non-technical users, right? You can set it up once, and then you say, look, here you you're a, you know, hello, you journalist, you can now and you can now write things that will end up on the website and on the billboard and on the mobile app and on the whatever without being it too much work on your side, because otherwise you have to build an interface and also you have to secure it. You have to make sure it scales. You're a backend developer, you know this more than me. And it's just like a lot of that work you'd rather, you know, I mean, you'd rather, you know, um, give to someone else, right? Make sure there's authentication and, you know, you can work with your, with your Okta, with the organization. When someone leaves, you can, you know, turn them off. Like all of that stuff is, yeah, a lot yeah. of things that, you know, is, is quite good to, hand off to someone else <laughs> yeah so if i have a blog because you mentioned um mm. mo mobile for example so mm -hmm. i created well let's say i even yeah i created the the app in in rails right like a blog and then how do how does this get into a, a mobile app what do it's you an need? api yeah it's an api so as a it's just like just a, so we have a, sorry we have a rest and a graphql api but again, mm -hmm. so your your mobile app, your your iOS will, um, will will just make a call to this to this API and retrieve the latest content, and that's it. Got it. Got it. So like I when someone makes an update, so when someone makes an update, you know, then you could just pull to refresh or auto refresh with some kind of WebSocket or whatever. Um, Got it. Well, go ahead. Yeah, what what um what I think is interesting, and it it also makes sense if you think about it. But CMS is indeed traditionally something with websites, and it indeed is coupled to your front end and back end. It's all one system, mm -hmm. so we de decouple it with a headless CMS. But that not only means that you have an API, so you not only have this technical from a technical standpoint, you can say, well, I can call an API, which any application can do, a front end, back end, mm -hmm. uh, mobile. But you also still have the fact that you have a UI for people who are tech, mm -hmm. uh, not not technical, to enter and, and and maintain their content. That's that still remains. That's the CMS part, right? So yes, and that's exactly. super powerful. Um, 
So what I understand from from uh, from these systems is also that not only it gives you a UI to just enter your content, but it's also a way within the system to structure your content in such a way that it makes sense for for the people and well maintaining the content to structure it in a way that that is good for them, and then yeah, then still have the possibility on the on the on the UI side to to show it wherever and also show it however. And that's yeah, that it's pretty. Uh, Amazing and and I yeah like Ray said I just started with just filling around with it a bit. Um, Twenty years ago, I when I started working, I worked at a company. We had our own CMS, which was mm-hmm. just like the old CMS, right? The website CMS all in one. And for me, CMS was like website. And now I know only now that indeed these headless CMSs are super interesting to to use. And yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it's it's really interesting how. Um, so, so maybe maybe my question is then: um, What I do now is I create a front end app, and I don't want to bother with a back end app. I don't want okay. to have a database. Um, of course, it's interesting if you want that, but for, not for now. So I would just want to build a front end, and then I use Content Vault as a as my database and as my back end. Is that like, is that like a like a good use case to to do it? Like replacing the, uh, your database with something like this? Um, yeah, I mean, again, like it depends what you're serving, right? Um, if yeah. you're, I mean, so we serve, we support like images and everything. But for example, if you're, I mean, you can, but if you're storing passwords, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I mean, it's possible. We have, we have, we you know, we, we we've um, we've done it as a demonstration. It's it's possible because you can, you know, you can encrypt it on the, you can encrypt it on the front end when it gets sent, decrypt it when it gets sent back. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, generally if you're if you're hosting content, yeah, by all means choose a headless CMS. Especially you know, the simpler the simpler your content, the more the easier it is, especially if it's you know just text, images, and you know, yeah. Because m- most most of the web right now is that just you know <laughs> text and images, yeah. right? It, is yeah. contentful opinionated about the data structure? Uh, no. about the design or is it like you create your objects completely from scratch everything yes so the um one of the key things with headless um with headless in general is the idea of uh, we call them content types other places call them content blocks but it's the idea that again you have a type and this could be and this could go anywhere right you can have an article type that just happens to be um no and i'll, I'll be i'll be even more specific you can have an author thing Right, so an author then is just a name, uh, a name and image. Let's say, let's say it's just that, right? And that's a content type. But then an author could be an author of a blog article or of you know documentation or a press release, right? And you can see how this gives you more flexibility, right? And again, we're not opinionated. Which we have fields, which are you know which could be text, you know dates, images, uh, um, location, all of that stuff. But then you can make whatever you want with it. Contentful comes with a blank canvas. And it works both ways as well. Like the API lets you retrieve content, but it it lets you write and modify content as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the structure of the content, right? That's also something that the API or not that the API facilitates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you could build an app that not only shows and, and lets you update content, but also have as a feature to structure that same content. Yeah, in theory, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, again, yeah, like like every almost everything you see, and I, I'm pretty sure almost every, like everything you see actually on the UI can be replicated with the API. Um, yeah. I mean, there, sometimes it might be not as easy as you'd think, but 
Uh, yes, the the, cap the capabilities are are there, and that's and that's yeah. the point, right? Because it's we want it to be API first, so that you're um, the the flexibility is part of the the selling point, right? Yeah, yeah, cool. And yeah. The, the, sorry, does um, Contentful have still some kind of a head somewhere somehow um, in terms of? So I've worked. When I think about when I worked with CMSs, well, WordPress, right? It's a classical CMS. Yeah. Right? When mm -hmm. you create something, it goes directly there. Then I worked with Webflow, which is the modern WordPress. Yep. And they also have a CMS and you can also, well, you can use Webflow with it, but you can also populate the CMS with their API. And then, yeah, I also looked into CMSs some time ago because uh, yeah, I needed to check something for someone. And there, there was always this butter CMS popping up. Mm -hmm. And I think they have an example application that you can set up really easily. So basically, you could also host an application, a headful, headful application for your users. It seems like kind of easy if they need it. So yeah, what I, what I want to ask you here is, Maybe what is the differentiation point between Contentful, BioCMS, and Webflow, Webflow, and all these guys? And uh, the other thing would be: is there still like some easy to get started head so that I can mm -hmm. populate my API with with data from my app, but then I can also let other people, like I don't know, my my customers, edit some part of the data. Yeah. So, um, so so we ha we have these. Uh, so uh, we have a bunch of starters, what we call starters. But these are basically, oh, here is how to use Contentful and React, Svelte, whatever. Um, so these come um, these come with a specific use case, and um, and basically, so these comes uh, pre-populated. So uh, what happens is you download the repo, you run a command, and that will pre-populate your space with, um, for example, like if it, again, if it's a blog with you know articles and authors. If it's a if it's a gallery with you know paintings and you know and also painters and uh, images, so all of that again, it's it's part of the flexibility. It comes with a blank canvas, but we can also give you some presets, right? Um, yeah, so so that's one. In terms of uh, again letting people um, modify this, also you control. Um, so you can so then when your editor come in because you've pre-populated that space. They can come in with already again a couple of articles or a couple of paintings or whatever. But then you can let them also. Uh, and again, this is, depends on your use case or depending on how much you trust your editors. Mm -hmm. um, but this, um, yeah, you can also control. You can also let them. Okay, you could let them modify the content types as well. So then they can, if they want to add a field, they they can do that too. Cool. And about difference between, for example. Butter CMS and Contentful. What's the what's the big point where I would choose Contentful or Butter CMS? Um, so I I generally don't like these kind of like questions because as a, as a developer advocate, like I'm not a salesman, so I'm not here to give you. Oh yeah, we're better because this this and this, and and it feels a little bit disingenuous. <laughs> I think for and also for me, like as a developer advocate, as I said, it comes back to what I said earlier. I spend a lot of time in my in the product that I work in. I don't spend a lot of time in, comp in competitors' products, right? So it's possible that there is a specific use case that you need 
that they have and we don't have. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's impossible because it, I, I don't know what your use case is, right? And also, I feel like it would be disingenuous to say we're the best for all cases because that's not this, you know, no, no product works for everything. Um, I think for, for us, though, what one thing that we sort of pride ourselves in, I, I guess, is, you know, scale, right? We process a lot of data. So we, and we have clients like Ikea, for example, which, you know, has a lot of content going in and in a lot of places. Um, so I think that's also one of the reasons why people turn to us is, is the scale. Um, yeah. But again, I'm not saying we have all the features in the world uh, and there might be some very specific quirk of another headless CMS that you like or um, another uh, platform because we're uh, one of the shifts that's happening in the industry as well is that it's shifting from just headless to this idea of composable so that you're not just your headless CMS is not just doing your content. You can plug things to it. Um, meaning, you know, your, your Slack or your, um, again, we will, we're going to have an AI app coming out soon. So all, all different features you can plug and play, um, you know, to, to your, to your content platform. So again, there are other content platforms, um, but that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true because uh, one thing I can tell you, it's not a coincidence that a lot of developer products have butter in their uh, <laughs> in their name. There must be something to this. But uh, I, indeed, I saw that um, on the website of Contentful, there is uh, Contentful. There is this video of um, uh, of the CEO, and he talks about how con uh, Contentful has serves a lot of fortune 500 companies mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's pretty cool i think that's um yeah there must be a lot of data going through and there is a there is a lot of data it's it's in the billions of requests per month uh, we are in europe so if uh, we would have a company and we would want to use contentful then one of the things that we will ask is is it gdpr compliant and is my my data secure and everything Yes. Yeah. So GDPR compliant, yes. And I hope, uh, again, I've not checked, but I really hope every <laughs> other product is because, again, like, yeah. as we know, this is about EU citizens, not just EU people. So, I mean, yep. uh, yeah, they, they, I really hope they all are. For us, though, what, what I can tell you we have coming soon. I don't have a date yet, but we're going to be able to give you um, data residency in the EU as well. So, uh. um I don't have a date for you. I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, yeah. So um, it's it's something you'll see on the Contentful website. We'll have EU data residency. Um, so that's another thing. And yeah. it's part of, you know, a Contentful is based in Berlin. So it's part of the thing that we, we wanted to do for a while. Oh, yeah. And it's, um, it's a Berlin comp like origin company. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Interesting. Right. Because the CEO, he looked very American. Yes. Yes, we have, um, um, so it started out in Berlin um, and then from, um, so I'm not sure when the US hub opened, but yeah, so basically Berlin and the US are the two big presence, but we're remote, we're remote in Europe and in the US. I have a technical uh, question. Um, yes. So what I would like if I build an app and I do that for myself, then I, uh, of course, uh, fetch uh, data through the API and I can even... Uh, update my data or whatever but i also like to have apps that are a bit of uh, real time so 
someone is changing the data elsewhere and and my app so the one who's viewing, viewing my app would then have to receive those updates through web sockets or, or whatever i would use for that is that also something that contentful has real time yeah ish? Yeah, I think ish is the answer, right? It's like, because we, we want to have a WebSocket endpoint for sure. And I think, as I said, that's due to the scale that we have, it just wouldn't be sustainable. But mm. again, like the, the the change is very fast. Like, uh, you know, we, um, so if you if you update something, the moment you click, you can be sure you refresh your website, that's it, it's there. Um, so we don't really have any kind of long running caching or anything like that. So if you have, as you said, a WebSocket, if you have a WebSocket that's, you know, that's, pull, that's pulling in, um, and waiting and waiting for changes, you'll see this change very quickly. Yeah, yeah. You, you and, can you can build something yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, I really like the whole scalability aspect because one of the major pains of large scale apps is that you end up with queries that you need to maintain and fix. And I imagine this might be a little bit more yeah easy with with something like a like a cms there but you have maybe one thing that comes as a kind of a risk maybe is um that you have this in comparison to a monolith app where your database sits beneath you basically and you have like access in milliseconds well you have access in milliseconds probably via API requests as well, but you have more milliseconds yeah. in, in, on average, right? So, and there might be a kind of a risk that, um, well, you need to handle these cases, right? Like what happens if there is a network failure, what happens, you, you still need to like repeat the request or whatever, right? So this comes with additional, um, you yeah. know, things you need to account for, right? As a developer on the backend, please. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure like the Contentful backend is really interesting. I don't know a lot about it. I can tell you it's Kubernetes, um, but yeah, I, I mean, maybe we can have someone from the infrastructure team come on because I'm sure there's loads <laughs> of challenges because there's, uh, there, there's lots. I know again, there's Kubernetes, there's some Go happening. Um, there's some Ruby as well, uh, but I, I, I don't really know how it all works. I, I, it's something I'm trying to learn more about. Um, yeah. Because again, I, I don't know a lot of the details. So sometimes I see these things coming out and it's like, oh, we've optimized this thing and we've migrated this thing to whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know. What. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think it'd be interesting for you, uh, Rich, for sure. Yeah, that would be very interesting. Um, cool. I mean, unless we have more technical questions. I would go over to something to the to the to the other highlight of today's uh, session, which is I'm curious what you guys were curious about, and maybe um, Bauer, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, today I went to a conference here nearby where I live, and it's pretty small but uh, nice conference where it's it's a .NET conference. I was a, a .NET developer for many years, and now I'm a React developer. But uh, I'm, I went there to see very a uh, lot of old friends, and uh, it was really nice. And this conference had a lot of talks also about non-.NET things because I, I'm not a .NET developer anymore, and I yeah, to be honest, not, not really care about it anymore. But there were many other sessions. So I was really curious. I, I went to sessions about storytelling, about 
uh, chat GPT about uh, what was the other one like snapshot testing and uh, about culture in your your team so how can you be welcoming to to juniors and and how can you create like a positive culture in your team and yeah it's really really nice to uh, to be on to be on on a on a conference uh, even I mean after all these years and and well, I haven't been to a conference for many years now. And now finally we could go and, and meet all these people again and have this nice talk. So yeah, I had a great, uh, had a great uh, day. So yeah, that was my uh, moment right. of curiosity. Nice. So we have a lot of to think uh, to think and to talk about maybe next week. Yeah. About uh, your summary of the .NET conference. Yeah, sure. Is snapshot testing something where you do screenshot and compare screenshots? Um, um no uh, yeah no this was about um the fact that uh, for example you have this application and you assume it works but you don't have any tests and what you can do then is you can you can create a test like a unit test or integration test whatever and you run the test and you say well i call this function or i call this app or whatever it is and whatever it gives me uh, i will i will uh, take a snapshot of it and then you will look at it yourself or with people who know more about it and you will say yeah this looks good when i call this function with these parameters and this is the response and this is good so then the snapshot serves as a as a thing to assert in your test so then your test say, says as long as i get this response then it's good mm-hmm. and then what you can do then is you can just of course refactor your code because my, the code might, uh, might 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 suck uh but also um you can also st- treat that as a starting point to make actual tests because snapshot testing can be interesting to keep but, but probably it's more of a way to to start uh, adding tests to your code base and um, I, I know I know snapshot testing from 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 jest and from uh, from testing library and um, I know it's uh, it was like used for example if you have like this long strings of things you wanted to test and snapshot testing is nice because you don't need to type over all this text. But, but I like this talk because it was more about we have these applications, we don't have any tests. How can we start making, yeah, being more, uh, well, I guess, um, uh, in control of what our app does and, and, and staying in control and migrating towards, moving towards having actual tests. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty interesting. And also, by the way, what you just mentioned about UI screenshot, that's also an interesting topic, by the way. I, I don't think that's in the category of snapshot testing, but uh, yeah. Got it. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We need to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Testing is cool. Cool. Um, yeah. Alvin, what ha, have you been curious about something in particular? It can be technology, it can be whatever uh, in the past, let's say, week or years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so coming back to the testing, I think uh, someone it could be interesting for you guys to have is uh, Jessica Sachs. She used to work at Cypress. Um, and yeah, so um, I'm sure she'll have a lot to tell you about again. So, to, um, yes, Cypress is more like browser um, automation, right? So, so, so again, so Jessica Sachs, Cypress, and um, Stefan Yudis, who's the one who hired me at Contentful, who now works at uh, Checkly, who's another um, solution that helps you with this kind of, um, uh, basically, you're, you're programming the browser to test your app, and then you get some results. So yeah, either of these people, Jessica Sachs or or Stefan Yudis, I think would be great. Um, nice, to, yeah. To, they, to, for you guys to learn about this, yeah. Do you Thanks. think they they would be up for a talk? Uh, are they usually going <laughs> out? Just reach out. 
just reach out you'll see <laughs> nice yeah thanks a lot for the tip um um so in, in terms of curious yeah something i, I was just thinking about uh, the other day is um i i found this in a bunch of podcasts like why if you've ever been to climbing wall recently uh so you know like bouldering or like rock climbing there are a lot of developers who are into this and i and i could not square that circle i was like why why are there so many coders that love like climbing and i thought about this for for a bit but i, I think i got it now but it was just a curiosity for me for sure yeah now you you let us hang in here because <laughs> um yeah let me let me think about it so the, my first thought and this is similar i have a similar puzzle why so many people come from music to to programming and i kind of have it by now i think talking to all these musicians but with the climbing i've my first thought was because it has this element and i'm climbing myself sometimes because it has this element of puzzle yes yeah i think i, I would go further i think it's about optimization okay <laughs> so, of your yeah. body controls no, no, <laughs> no, no, not, not even so it's it's about the once you've done the climb, right? Like you've made, you've managed it once. So it's like your code, it works now, but then how can you optimize it, right? How yeah. can you make sure you can, you, you can use it with less energy so you're less tired at the end of the day, use fewer holds, right? Um, so I think it's this idea of optimization that's interesting. And there's, there's loads, like I think I have, I, I, I settled on, I think four, four reasons, but yeah, I think that's one of them for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Bao, do you do any climbing ever? No, I am. I'm afraid of heights, and uh, I I did it with my with my family, and uh, my daughters were uh, like climbing higher than me. So yeah, I was like the yeah, it's not for me, but yeah, I I like this metaphor. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and then there are also you know this thing of um, it's being said that there are two types of developers, kind of the menders and the creators oh no never heard that can you can you expand so the menders i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this right but uh those are like repairing right like, yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah those are developers who are really passionate about um you know refactoring things and mm -hmm. like you said optimizing they've built it they want to make it better uh, nicer and more performant. That, that's what they're mostly passionate about. And then there are developers who create a lot, you know, new thing, mm -hmm. build a new thing. And there's a, a sense of creating the right team balance of um, having a good balance between menders and um, creators. And when I think about my style of climbing, then what I do is I reach the, the the thing and then I run to the next one. And it's a little bit like what I do in coding as well. I'm, I like refactoring um, like here and there, but I'm not, you know, it's not my main thing, the mandarin. And, and of course, every mender also does some sometimes more of creating and like... Um, have has a focus there, but then still some developers are leaning more towards the one than the other. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think that relates to um projects and products? 
right? Like, so when you're like, when you work at an agency, you work on like projects that have a, a shelf life, right? You're going to be working on this campaign for three months and then you're not going to touch it again versus a product, right? Like Contentful, you're working on the same thing for, you know, sometimes years. Um, and that, that's also very, a, a distinction, right? Like in mm -hmm. the terms of job you can find. Yeah. I think may, maybe that's similar in that the, the menders like their, their product that they can polish and like spend a lot of time in versus the creators are like, okay, project done. Don't want to hear about it next. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. You can zoom out, uh, yeah, yeah, to a greater, to, yeah, to another perspective and see that these menders and creators are also in, uh, at other levels. Mm. Yeah. What, what about you, um, Rich? What about me? So I'm creating a talk right now about visual thinking. Nice. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Alvin, in the beginning, and you, you emphasize the creating a talk, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> it's it's fun, but it's a lot of effort. Yeah. And it's totally true. So I've been curious about uh, talking with other people about, uh, yeah, how, how they find my storyline and my ideas mm. of uh, bringing interaction into the talk. And maybe one thing I wanted to ask you guys, because I talked to someone from to an experienced speaker actually today a couple of hours earlier uh, about one of my ideas and one of them was so my, my topic is visual thinking for developers mm -hmm. and basically one of my ideas was to during the talk to prompt the audience for a um, for a technical concept or something from the Ruby and Rails world. Mm -hmm. And I would try to explain it to a beginner on the whiteboard live. Mm -hmm. And this experience, I, I'm not sure about, maybe you told me too that it's a horrible idea to do it live. Um, but yeah, he, he told me, don't do this live. Like, um, prepare it. Um, do, uh, do maybe something like... Um, step-by-step um, -step thing so it looks like it's kind of a you know a really fine-grained step-by-step how i i would do it I explain one technical concept to um yeah on the whiteboard but he said like yeah it's uh, it can really go wrong and this is the, definitely not what you want to do like at your first kind <laughs> conference talk uh, like at a bigger conference right so I, I think I will take this idea and but, but I'm curious like what you guys think about live coding and doing something interactive live um, in a talk or have you seen something like that maybe from others So I think, yeah, for, for live coding, I, I've done a, a bit of it and I think it's similar for you. And coming back to development principles, you just got to make sure it can fail. So that you're like, if you, if you want to do live coding, make sure you have a, vi a, a video of it working somewhere, right? Make sure it can work without Wi-Fi. Or even if you are using Wi-Fi, make sure that again, if the Wi-Fi goes out, you have something that's running locally on your server. If, if your laptop fails, and you're, you have to use it on another presenter's 
MacBook that's really small and make sure just have a video or a PDF or something. So for you, I think what I would do is probably do maybe a multiple choice. So then you, you give three scenarios and people pick one. Um, so, so you can prepare all three, right? Um, ah, that's interesting. So that's, that's the theme is like uh, for life coding as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people can, can, can pull it off and they have a lot of experience, but in my, in, in my experience, it's, it's very good to make sure it can fail and you have everything <laughs> prepared so that, you know, if you're, if like if, to have in mind that something can and might go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. I, I wanted to propose something similar, but I think Alvin's proposal is better. What I want would do is ask someone in the crowd, like before the talk and perhaps someone, you know, a friend to say, okay, can you, can you please call this? And then, and then now people will call, nice. be calling all these things, but I will pick yours and then I'm prepared. Nice. But maybe, yes. maybe I, I think Alvin's is, uh, no, is also this is what what the the guy who I talked to today also told me. Have someone in the audience yep. or like <laughs> prepare yeah. it uh, like yeah. so it just looks like this. Yeah, today uh, uh, I talked to the, someone at the conference and we we talked about this occasion like a few years ago at the same conference where someone would give a presentation about IoT. So they had like this whole table like with six or seven. Um, uh, uh, things like devices and they would uh, give a demo with some code and, and then these devices would do things and in, a, in that whole talk like one of the, or two of the devices worked and all of the others did not so the talk was horrible at least for, for me I, I think come mm. on you can you can you can prepare this you can make it work and have a backup indeed or whatever so afterwards i i talked to, to this friend and uh it's many years ago and i said this talk was horrible, right? I mean, I oh, know I, I thought it was really cool, he said. And, and because all this, look at what he could do with all these devices and he could make code and it worked. And no, it did not work. I said, yeah, yeah, but it still it was really cool. So so it was like <laughs> the, the, the experience we had was totally different. But 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 I agree. No, if, if it doesn't work, it's it's really bad. And also today I saw one or two talks where things failed. And yeah, that that you don't want that, no. I think even for even for the perspective of the speaker itself, right? So for example, sometimes like even if people would still enjoy it, like it, it gets stressful for you, right? Yeah. Like because you're because oh, oh, so then you're like okay, so, so so that didn't work, but that's okay. Um, I have this other thing, but then you start getting into this mode of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think yeah. if if you can if you know you have oh that doesn't work. I have a video it's there um you know it's a, and you've already prepared then it's a lot more free-flowing and you can you, you know you're still in um known you know terrain i guess yeah yeah that's a great one also video stuff to think about thanks a lot yeah. guys I, I definitely learned a lot today and i mean alvin you do so many cool things actually that we would love to um talk about you do also coaching um you do a lot of community work and you have a lot of great topics to do, like you are also into programming and um what's again your favorite if you have one programming language oh for me it's, it's javascript it's the one i have the most experience with uh by far and again you can do lots of cool things with it and it's gone a lot better like, yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's true that's true yeah the, the vanilla javascript got a lot better and you're also into ai and so many cool topics but 
it's getting late <laughs> yeah and we hope uh to have you again for sure would be great yeah yeah to think about your progress content full progress uh all the ccc 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 <laughs> yeah all the c's <laughs> <laughs> And um, so, yeah, thank you very much again. Thanks, Bauer. Yep. And thank you, guys. See you soon again. Sweet. Talk soon. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. -bye.